Quick shout out from our sponsor, Sheer ID. Are you trying to boost conversions to your Shopify store? Need to drive more customer loyalty? Get results fast by offering exclusive discounts to consumer communities with Sheer ID. Sheer ID helps verify students, teachers, military, first responders, and so much more of these groups. With Sheer ID, you'll get a verified match in seconds. You can spit out an exclusive discount for customers on the spot. Try speaking directly to a new customer segment with this verifiable identity without adding friction to the shopping experience. Continue to drive incremental revenue in the next 90 days post-purchase with more tailored messaging for your email and SMS campaigns. I personally tested ShareID to see just how easy it was to get it set up, and I was pretty much ready to go in under 15 minutes. The onboarding was simple enough for me to follow as a non-technical person. Go to sheerid.com slash Shopify and start your free trial today. Once again, that's sheerid.com slash Shopify and start your free trial today. Should it be directly a discount? Should it be get our free this or sign up to win? Maybe get entered to this giveaway. Um, I would say enter to get um, enter to giveaway works. It will work less then um, like a direct discount, like a 10 to 15% discount is the most standard. That's what we typically see perform the best. But I also understand like some brands come in, they're like, hey, we're premium. We don't want to do discounts. What do we do here? And like, that's okay. If that's not your brand to offer Welcome 10, it's not going to be everyone's brand. Hello and welcome to e-commerce Uncovered. I'm your host, Matt Lady. Thanks for joining if it's your first episode and welcome back if you're a returning listener. Each and every week, I'm so lucky I get to chat with and learn from a variety of passionate, intelligent founders, operators, and practitioners in the wonderful world of commerce. My mission with this show is to provide tactical and practical information and insight for D2C brands to grow profitably and sustainably. Today's episode is with the co-founder of Lunar Solar Group, an e-commerce and digital growth consultancy. She's also the co-founder of Retextion, a best-in-class subscription program for Shopify stores. They create new tools to improve your buying experience and increase customer lifetime value. Without further ado, please welcome Gina Pirelli. Gina, how's it going? Hey, it's going good. It's going good. Busy week, but I'm excited to be here as always. Yeah. Welcome to the show. And uh, first thing is, how do you define retention and what does it mean to you in terms of for these DTC brands? Ooh, yeah. I, I define retention as like coming back even to the site. Like I think that it, like it begins the minute you land on the website, like just coming to the website, like what is that pop-up strategy? Are we getting their email? Like, are, do we know who they are? Are we going to be able to identify them later? Because like some people are going to come to your website and they're, you're not, you're not even going to get their email. You're going to have to serve them um, with ads later to get them to come back. Other times someone's going to buy. And like people, I think, consider retention once somebody is by getting them to buy again, where I look at it is like, once they come to the site, like it is now a retention play. Like we need to get them back. We need to educate them. Um, so that's kind of how I look at retention from a really high level. Right. That's, that's interesting. And it's good to note because like you said, a lot of people are like, Oh yeah, get people to come back and buy a second, third, fourth time. Well, uh, most conversion rates on stores are like one, two, three percent, four percent, like really good, right? So, all those people who abandon cart, who view without even adding anything to cart, uh, I'm, it's it's cool that you define that as retention as well. Um, it's, a, it's a that's a good place to start. So, keeping that in mind, who should care about retention? 
Like what kind of like is it a certain level? Everyone. Is it everyone. Yes, everyone. Everyone should care about retention. But in terms of uh, in terms of applying some of these additional tactics, these tools, these automated flows, pop-ups, all these other things, is it a certain amount of revenue, uh, customer list size? What level in time and place should a brand really double down and focus more on retention? Yeah. Um, no, that's definitely fair. I think that there are, I think if you set aside four hours, like before you launched a store, there's probably four hours worth of work that like, if you turn on a Clavio account, even if you use like bare bones, like not super branded or anything like that, like I think retention matters pre-launch. Like I think that you should be setting that stuff up. You are going to spend money on ads. You're going to get people coming to the site, like make the most of it. Um, you don't have to have these like crazy web of like, somebody looked at this product, they did this, like generalize, just put a pop-up on the store, use a teaser, do a abandoned cart or browse abandoned or something like that. Like flow, if somebody buys something, thank them. Uh, but yeah, I think that like the basics are important from day one. So the, yeah, basics and foundational stuff is always, is important from day one. Um, plain text, emails even, uh, don't have to get too branded. So is there any, it, that's the basics. Is there any like advanced or intermediate or next level kind of things that you would um, recommend, especially if the brand is uh, a subscription brand or membership kind of brand? Is, uh, yeah. What are some, uh, like, let's talk about like slightly higher level, uh, like slightly more advanced tactics. Yeah. I guess. So like, what level and what, what do those look like? Yeah. So what I would say is like, first, like get your basics down. Like I think the basics are key. Don't overcomplicate. Don't try to get all fancy and be like, Oh yeah. Like if somebody looks at this, they're gonna get that. Like if it, if I walk into one of your flows and it looks like a gigantic spider web, like we're not doing it right. Um, don't do that. <laughs> so like kind of like start, start simple, like get all the basic flows down. I would say, you know, browse, uh, abandon cart, post-purchase, do like a post-purchase one, post-purchase for subscription should be different than post-purchase for one-off products. If you do have subscription, absolutely cancel subscription flow, um, you know, capturing, you know, why did you cancel and also um, like ways to get them, win them back, you know, 30, 60, 90 days, like those types of cadences, depending on your product. Um, in terms of like more advanced things, I think that like what you can do in like campaigns with your content calendar, um, when you start to survey people on your pop-ups, like asking them like questions and then tying that into information later, like I could, I could go on for days about like how crazy we want to get in terms of retention. But I think like the main thing is like, make sure your basic flows are good. Once they're good and they're dialed, start rolling out like some tests on them. Tests as simple as like subject line tests. See if you can get the open rate up, you know, a couple percentage points like that matters at the end of the day, test some different creative don't test like orange buttons versus blue buttons, like test the actual narrative of the creative. Like, what are we saying in here? Like, is it a note from the founder, like a plain text or like, is it a well-designed email that's educating? Um, focus on education for somebody who's never purchased before. Uh, those are like some tips. Yeah, that's a great starting point. So education, if they haven't uh, purchased before, what kind of, how does that change for messaging and emails? or text for after they purchase, they're a continuing member. You want to keep serving them and adding those touch points. They're like, we still care about you. We don't, just cause you're a returning customer on our subscription now, we don't want to just forget about you. 
what are, how do you change that from education? Uh, what types of things can we talk about? Yeah, there are so many brands out there now that I think it's important just to like, why does your brand exist? What, what makes you like, why, why are you here? Like, and that is like, some people like just assume, because especially when you're internal and you're a founder, like, you know, I, people are like, I think of course everyone knows why, you know, retection exists or like why I started lunar solar, but like, they don't, why would they know that? Like, there's so many other solutions. Like, why did I build a different solution? And I think that people wonder that about brands all the time. And like, that's what you should be focusing on pre-purchase is like, why did I build this? Why does this exist? What are the problems we're kind of trying to solve? And then post-purchase is really how do you get the most out of the product? Um, especially if there are multiple different reasons why the product exists, like there might be more than one reason what, like of what somebody should be looking for. Um, you know, if it's some type of food or snack or you know, supplement, like what are they supposed to get out of it? Like what are the different things you offer? Like that's how I think like post-purchase like kind of really shifts um, in what type of education. You don't stop education. Um, you don't stop education, but you kind of do a little bit different take on what you're educating them on. Um, email, you can get a lot more content across the board. SMS, educating an SMS is definitely trickier. Yeah. So the SMS education, is it just because the character limits and how much the, me the method of communication is a text versus an email? Yeah. I think when we first started using text a couple of years ago, um, and it really kind of blew up. I don't know. What do we want to say? I mean, four years ago, text really kind of came on the scene and people really like two years ago, like everyone was like, oh, okay, of course you're, you're doing text. That's when it really blew up. Um, I think people really just treated it like email at first. Like they were doing the big flashy images. They were writing it out almost like paragraph style. And the more that brands started testing it and even like, you know, the big SMS providers have produced like the short content works, like talk to people the way that they're expecting to be talked to on that channel. Like when I get a block, I say this all the time, but like when I get a block of text from someone, I'm like, oh boy, like this is a story. Like it almost induces anxiety immediately. Like no one's ever sent you a good block of text. So like for brands, like, no. right? Like you've never opened up your phone and seen like a massive block of like, you know, blue text and been like, this is good. Like it's always like, Can't wait. oh no. <laughs> yeah, right? You're always like, oh no. Like when you look over at someone's phone, like on the subway or like when you're in public and you see a block of text like that, that they're scrolling, you're like, oh, what did you do? <laughs> That's so, so, so very valid. And such a <laughs> key, key reminder is that just because you're a business and you're using this, trying to get, I don't know, education and get people to buy your stuff, you're still, you're right next to their other messages. You're and next like to their, their friends, mom. their mom, exactly. Their boyfriend, their girlfriend, their whatever. Like, you're right there. You are in that space. Like, you're not in the promotional tab. Like, you are in the inbox. Like, you are in where they get texts from all their friends, their group chats, whatever. Talk to them like that. The short, and like we started to like, well, we've been testing it now. I would, oh, for over a year and short messages are outperforming, like without the crazy big content, like, yeah, use an image when it makes sense. I get images from my friends when it makes sense. But if every time one of my friends texted me, they like sent me an image, I'd be like, you use this channel wrong. Like go on Instagram, like <laughs> Sir, send me a Snapchat. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. What, like, what are you doing? Like, that's not how you use text. So I think it's like stuff like that, that people don't think about when they're using the channels um, of like how people are used to being spoken to. Yeah. For whatever reason, our brain just like 
flips off and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm working on my brand. I'm working on sending this professional message to these my customers. And it's like, it just, some, for most brands, and especially D2C brands, you're not a big brand. You're not this huge corporation. Lean into being the founder like you're literally texting your friends. Yeah, one of my favorite strategies that we deployed um, years ago uh, was on the Super Coffee account. And we had identified a couple different personas and different types of messages would come from like, the, there's, there's three brothers that um, are the founders and different messages would come from the three of them. So you have like the CFO, like, and it would be like, oh, like like somebody else, like the CEO would be like, oh my God, like I launched a sale, like don't tell, you know, like the other one. like And it was like so funny, the different personalities, the way we would ghostwrite the messages. And I was like, this makes sense for text. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's a big retention play. I think that SMS can be so incredibly powerful. Use it correctly. Please don't send massive blocks of text and like these huge images and the GIFs. It, it just does not come off authentic. Yeah, that's, that's, that's an excellent, like quick SMS uh, crash course. So when thinking about retention, going back up a level mm-hmm. and email and SMS, how do we balance the two? How do we think about when to send and how to send. I know we talked about like longer, bigger messages, email, shorter, straight to the point, maybe and more friendly in the SMS, but how should brands view email versus SMS? And let's just, uh, yeah, let's just start there. And then I'll follow yeah. up. Um, I think that you have to decide on a strategy. Like the, you've got some brands who only send plain text emails. Like, and you've got some brands who only say, like, who send both and like, you've sent like where maybe SMS is your VIP community. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes your Facebook group is your VIP community. So it really like, you have to decide on a brand strategy. And I think it's important to like, stay true to that. Um, yes, of course, if maybe like as the brand matures, you're like, okay, I actually want to switch this a bit, but like for the most part, you should stay consistent and just be like, okay, like my top, top customers, where do I talk to them? How do I identify who my top customers are? Is that a segment that I pull based on LTV? Is that something that people specifically opt into? And like, what do they get as top customers? Am I going to give them early access to sales? Am I going to give them a steeper discount on sales when I have them? Like that type of strategy is important to identify from the start. Um, if you are just starting out, you're a smaller brand, you have a smaller like customer size list, then like you don't have, you can just kind of be like, okay, like we're going to, you know, do this on email. We're going to send one to two emails a week, two text messages a month. And like the text we send, you know, the, the content should differ a bit. Like there should be, it, you shouldn't be sending like an, a text and email on the same day about the same thing unless it is like a high priority pro- like launch that people are waiting for that you want to make sure everyone has visibility on. Cool. So then how, in terms of, in terms of these other metrics in terms tracking about email and SMS, there's, there's open rates, there's click through rates, there's revenue per recipient, all this sort of stuff. Like, I don't, the benchmarks wild are mm-hmm. so wildly varied depending on industry and size and all that. So I'm not going to make you tell me what's the benchmarks for it, like, you know, the definitive benchmarks, but how should we think about metrics and tracking results um, when we're thinking about these two retention channels of email and SMS? Yeah, um, I think like the way I look at it is like, it is a funnel at the end of the day, but it's a funnel in terms of like, deliverability is like the number one thing. So like when you go to send an email, if I send an email to hundred people and I'm delivering at, you know, 98%, that's still high. My email. So like now I just went from hundred. Now I'm at 98. 
Now I have an open rate of 20%. You know what I mean? Like now I'm down to like 19 people have opened my email. Then I've got my click rate. So then how many people have that actually click my email? So then if my click rate is like based off that, so then, you know what I mean? Like maybe I got five people now that have clicked my email. They've actually made it to the PDP. Now what's my conversion rate on the site? So like you think about it and it is like this funnel of like, and you need to optimize every single step of it. So like you can get more people to the next like phase, the next phase, the next phase down. Um, that's how I look at email and SMS. And like every piece is important, but like you have to start at the top. Like, do you have good domain health? Are the emails getting delivered? Are they going to spam? Going to the promotional filter uh, is not bad. Like what happens? I think a lot of brands are like, how do we get in the main inbox? How do we get in the main inbox? Your like content emails that are full images should not be in the main inbox. You will, people will unsubscribe immediately. People don't want them there. Every now and then, if you send a plain text message from the founder, you know, once every couple months and it goes into the inbox, perfect. You're doing incredible. Like that's how you should be running it. Um, but that's how I start to think about it and like optimizing every step. And then like, once you get an open rate, that's when you're like testing different times of day, different subject lines. Like what's my preview? Like all of that stuff. And then, you know, you test like different creative to optimize click. And then are we driving them to the landing page? Like there's so many apps now. Are we driving them to a pre-populated cart? Are we driving like, and then testing all that stuff. You can't test everything at once, like isolate, test, optimize, move on. Yeah. Just like the movie that came out earlier this year, everything, everywhere, all at once. You can't test everything all at once. You gotta do yes. one thing at a time. Um, okay. And I love the funnel comment about the open rates and all that. And then clicks, and I think uh, you mentioned this on the ad spend episode you did, but uh, literally the list capture, the email pop-ups, the fly, like the, the fly out little tags at the, on the side, like that's also, that's above the funnel. That's before you even send them the message. Right. So you have, have the web visitors onto your website, into the list. Right. Well, so that's why, like I say that retention starts the minute somebody hits your website. Like it is now our domain. Like people like think like, oh, we got to get the email. We got, they got to make a purchase. Like, mm -mm. no, it is like the retention marketer steps in the second you hit that website. Yeah. So th then how, um, speaking of that, so what kind of things would you recommend in terms of your pop-up or the sign up for the email list? What are generally, um, good starting places in terms of that offer? Um, so you should test your pop-up. Not enough people do. It's very easy with Enclavia to A-B test the pop-ups. Like you need to be testing that. Um, what I would say is if you see submit rates uh, in the single digits, like six, 7%, that is good. Test it. If you haven't tested it, you can probably go up a little bit. Um, when we started seeing people adding like the teasers, which is like when the pop-up is closed, it has a little tap on the side. Um, that'll say like, say 10%. That we're seeing a lot of brands trend higher in like the nine to 12%. Um, so like you can get that up, like pump those numbers up. Um, but yeah, I, what was the original question? Like, it's just like about like what to do and how to test them. Yeah. What are some, what are the starting, good starting points oh, in terms of the offers? Yeah. Like, is it, should it be directly a discount? Should it be get our free this or so sign up to win? Maybe get entered to this giveaway. Um, I would say enter to get, um, enter to giveaway works. It will work less 
than um, like a direct discount, like a 10 to 15% discount is the most standard. That's what we typically see perform the best. But I also understand like some brands come in, they're like, hey, we're premium. We don't want to do discounts. What do we do here? And like, that's okay. If that's not your brand to offer welcome 10, it's not going to be everyone's brand. Um, that's when I think a discount, uh, sorry, not a discount. That's when I think a giveaway a gift with purchase is also great. I do love a good GWP. Like I'm big on that. I'm like, I think that that is awesome, especially when you have like something that you can add, like a smaller piece of like merch or something like that, that just kind of like ties it in. Um, whatever the product is, I think is important. Like if you're a supplement company or shake company, like doing the shaker bottle or like something that like you can tie in and do. A quick reminder from our sponsor, ShareID. Find your next lifetime customers by providing verified discount codes based on occupation or life stage. Speak directly to veterans, students, teachers, first responders, and continue to tailor your messaging to them in the future with post-purchase emails and text messages. Make them feel seen with your brand by using ShareID to seamlessly verify their email in seconds during the purchase process. Go to shareid.com slash Shopify and start your free trial today. Yeah. And if you think about the margins on those things and you're not giving that immediate 10 or 20%, you're just saying, hey, here's a free shaker bottle and it's mm-hmm. four or $5. And that's what maybe your AOV is 80 or 100. That's way cheaper than 10 or 20% off. And you don't have to worry about that, that being that discount brand right away. Um, yeah, you're already shipping it. Like it's going in the same box. Like you pick something that's small enough where it's going in the same box, like whatever. Like e- even if your AOV is $35 and you're offering 15% off, like what, how much you possibly paying for this, like shaker or whatever this item is, $3 is the same thing. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's just framing it in a different way, similar margins. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's good. That's interesting. Um, so then in terms of retention and back to metrics a little bit and I, for conversion rate, how do, do you view conversion rate for new customers, new web visitors versus returning any differently? And like, how do we think about that? And should it be X percentage higher or two times as much? Or what's, what's your kind of thinking on that? God. Um, <laughs> and like, and conversion rate is like such a tough one too. Cause I'm like conversion rate from the site, like conversion rate from the email send, like that's the biggest like piece. When we give our dashboards uh, at Lunar Solar to clients, they're like, wait, is the conversion rate based off like the email send, the delivered, the opened, the clicked. And like for a long time we were doing delivery on click, then we were doing delivery or we were, sorry, we were doing conversion on click then we were doing conversion open. And like, it, like it depends on how you want to calculate it. So like, in, like me saying like, oh, X percent conversion rate, um, what's, yeah, like how, how, how would you define it? Yeah, I guess let's just say, uh, you have a brand new visitor mm-hmm. and you have your, uh, to the site, brand new visitor to the site. So what, what's that conversion rate versus you have a returning customer that is from an email send and then hits the site. Mm. Like, and then does that experience, like, is there a way to make that experience different for each of those or should it just be the same? Like I want to try to figure out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like we're seeing all these different types of tools come out with like different landing pages, like taking like returning customers and like putting them right to a cart. Like does that outperform? Does it not? Like how much information do they need? Like 
we're seeing studies like, oh, like, you know, driving somebody to a PVP is never as good as a dedicated landing page. And like, but if it's a returning customer, do they need all the education? Like, do they not? Like, and I think it's like so brand and product specific. Like I'm just seeing that on some brands, like sending it right directly to cart. Like if it's a product that's like more straightforward, there's not a lot of education. Like we're talking about like floss and like toothpaste. Like you either like the floss and toothpaste you're using or you don't. You're not like, mm, am I really seeing the product benefits? It's like, have your teeth fallen out? No, then like it's working. Um, but like, you know, like maybe a supplement where like, it's not a direct thing where you're like, okay, like collagen, I'm looking cause I, I work with the Avi guys. I'm looking at it right now, but I'm like, you know, collagen's a good one. Cause I'm like that, like maybe I need a reminder when I go back, like when I click through, I kind of want to, but I, maybe I need more of like, are you feeling like, how is your skin been doing? How, like if I, when I start to see that stuff, then I'm like, Oh, you know what? My skin does feel a little bit better. Like I have been glowing a bit more where like if the effects aren't as like apparent, um, you know, sometimes you need that education. So I don't know. I go back and forth on like, where do you drive people to and how do you measure that? Yeah. Yeah. You're right. It is so brand and product specific. It depends if it's uh, like apparel is much different. It's visual and versus, you know, a supplement and then your gut health, like that's invisible unless you're going into the doctor every month and getting that tracked and checking your, you know, bacteria levels and stuff like that, but you know, so different. Yeah. And like apparel too, like even that is like, are you performance apparel or are you like graphic tees? It's like, if you're a graphic tee, send me right to the car. If I clicked on a button in an email, like, and I want that graphic tee, like I know that I want it. I don't need to know like anything about it. But if I'm like performance wear, where it's like about sweat and like this and like, maybe I need more education. Yeah. Yeah. So even, yeah, even within apparel, there's, there could be a difference. So yeah. Yeah. Also, what are you putting in the email? Know. Is the education in the email? Because if it's in the email, then like you don't, where I think like testing it, like you have to think about the entire customer journey. You have to think about like this person got an email, the email had this in it. Did that information, did that email give them enough that they need to just buy it immediately? Or like, do they really need a landing page? Like if it's an SMS, we can only, we're only writing one line of copy they probably don't need to go right to a car. Like they probably need some type of landing page or a PDP. So different things to consider. Yeah, no, definitely. That's great. That's good. Okay. Let's, let's venture into this warm to hot to spicy take area. What's one common piece of advice or tactic that you see a lot that you tend to disagree with? Okay. This is my hot take. And I, have been true to this for a really long time. I do not think you should put your transactional emails in Clavio unless you have a very specific reason that you would like to build a flow off of them. I think that just moving all of the transactional emails into Clavio muddies the information and data that you have. It ruins a lot of the benchmarks where like we know you should be driving 20% of revenue from like Clavia, like that's been the benchmark for, for years. Like that's what we're all going after. That's off their marketing emails. Like if all of a sudden, like, let's say that you have subscription and you have your upcoming order email firing in Clavio, and you're like, yeah, I'm hitting 20%. I'm like, it's all like that email is not driving sales. Like I've had a couple of people be like, well, that's our best performing email. And I'm like, cause it's an email that fires five days before three days before the subscription goes out. Like, of course it's driving revenue. People open it. And they don't do anything 
and the order goes off. Like, it's, like stuff like that, like kind of drives me nuts. Like, if, but if you're going to do something with that email, like, and you know that and you're aware, you're like, hey, the reason I moved this in the Clavio is because I'm going to build a flaw fit. I'm going to remind people on the third day. And then I want a second one if they didn't open that email to go on the second day. And then I'm like, oh, genius, brilliant. That makes sense. Move it into Clavio and do that. But don't just move it for the sake of moving it. Okay. No, it started off spicy, but I think, uh, <laughs> I think, I think, I think it's more mild, the more context you gave to it. And I think it, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, that's I don't so, know. yeah. People, like will fight me on it. Like it, it is a hot take. <laughs> no, good. I, I mean, I'm glad, I'm glad you shared it and, um, weren't afraid to, because I definitely see where you're coming from. Transactional emails, highest performing. Well, duh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then yeah. like two, they'll be like, well, I moved it because like I was blind on the deliverability and I'm like, Oh, I'm sorry. You think a platform that only sends transactional emails has worse deliverability than your marketing where like you think that a 20% open rate is good as opposed to like, a, like why would you switch it to that domain? Like it just, yeah. So those are my half Yeah. Days. Yeah. Okay. So then, you know, you said there's like, okay, if you do plan ahead, and have mm -hmm. a flow or you have some sort of strategy after that fact, what would be an example of that? Is it when you're trying to get someone to go from uh, one product subscription to a larger size? Is it to more items into the subscription? Like, oh, I have a shampoo, but then we also have a conditioner and a face wash and lotion. Is it is it something like that? Or would you still not even make the transactional email about that and just go off your basic, your other information. So I think that transactional emails are great places to do upsells and cross-sells. Like they are because they get a lot of eyeballs, but you have to do it right. And I think that like, it's kind of like I said, if I've got a really sophisticated brand and they've got time and resources to have it, somebody who they either have an agency or somebody who like their entire job is controlling their emails and their SMS then they are probably equipped to be like, okay, let's move our transactional emails and this is why. And in our upcoming, you know, subscription email, we are going to put upsells in it with like quick actions where like they can add extra products to their upcoming order. I'm like, boom, brilliant. That makes sense. You should do that. Um, so that is like a good example of like what, like moving your canceled like notification. If you're going to build a flow off of it and say, hey, you canceled, here's a link where you can reactivate. If you want to reactivate at any time, then 30 day, wait 30 days, send another email. Wait like 90 days, send another email. Perfect example of a good usage there. Okay, so there are good uses for it, but Absolutely. your your take your take is don't just do it by default because that's what everyone says to do. It yes. is do it when you're going to use it. Exactly. Something. I've walked into two, yep. yeah, I walked into too many Clavio accounts where all of the Shopify notifications are in Clavio. And I'm like, did you know that this isn't firing? And they're like, no. And I'm like, your like order confirmation email has, is off. And they're like, oh. And I'm like, well, why? Like, or like they had some filter on it. And like, where it's like, I don't know the right word for this, um, but like you can't mess it up if you just leave it in Shopify. Yeah. Where you can mess it up if you move it into Clavio, and I don't think people understand how easy sometimes it is to mess up the filters of different flows and automations. Where it's like if you're not going to do anything with that email, just leave it. Got it. Yep. Okay, that's great. That is a good, um, mild and spicy take, uh, <laughs> all in one. I love it. Okay, so now. 
uh, we're going to get to some questions from Twitter. At ecom underscore Joseph uh, asks, what systems or processes were key or crucial or really important to you when you're growing Lunar Solar Group? And then my question on uh, after that is, how do you balance Lunar Solar Group and Retexgen? But let's go with the first one. The first one. Um, so I'll say what anybody on the Lunar Solar email team would say. I will die on a hill for Rike. Rike is what we use for our project management software. I built a flow in there and it has been optimized and optimized and optimized over time. You cannot mess up the email process. Like it is probably not the right word, but it is idiot proof. Like it is so just like you put in the creative, like it goes, it follows a very exact flow. If there's changes, it kicks back. Like Rike was like huge for us being able to scale um, the email division. It didn't, we like tried it for ads. It works, but like for some reason, the, the just the process I think of emails, really we were able to dial in um, and Rike has been huge for us. Like it's, we've just been able to like run it through our process and make a really, really, really seamless process like for our team and um, our design team and just like working with people. Uh, so that has been huge for being able to scale the email team and just like staying on top of process. Um, there are a couple other things like in Figma, like run spell check, like just get the plugin, like do it. Um, there were a couple times in like the very early days where we didn't use the plugin for Figma. We just didn't know that there was a one and we were trying to like manually spell check things. Do the Figma plugin. Um, what else is like in terms of scalability? And then it's just like, have distinct roles. Like when you're a small agency, if like you're one or two people, like obviously like you, you don't have like the hierarchy, you're kind of just doing everything. Um, we grew to a point where like we have an analyst and a manager on every account and like the analysts are responsible for, you know, building emails out, like briefing things. The manager does QA, high level strategy, like they're the main point of contact. And I think just defining those roles as much as like nobody ever wants to take the time to like go through the job descriptions and like make sure like it seems really structured, but it's really important um, to understand what everybody is responsible for. So that's, does that answer yeah. The, yeah. the lunar solar part? It does. No, okay. it sure does. Yeah, no, it's, that's great. And it's Rike. Is that uh, W-Y-R-K-E? Yeah. 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 So that's Rike. And then spell check for Figma plugin. Got it. Cool. And then, and so, no, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say balancing, if you want to get there, unless you Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, 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 no. That's exactly where I was going. So okay. how do you then, how now, how do you balance between the two? Because uh, you have the service side, you have clients, you have a lot of human people, and then you have this Shopify app and this platform and this, you know, it's a little, it's much different than running an agency consultancy. It's so so how, <laughs> how, what, what's that been like and how do you balance the two? Yeah. Um, so lunar solar, I think is a bit larger than most people think. Um, we don't talk about, I'm like the worst at like personal press. Like I'm so good at marketing everybody else's brands that like people are like, when they find out how big lunar solar is, they're like, I've had a couple friends recently walk into the office and they're like, Gina, this office is huge. Like who works here? Like how many employees are there? And people are kind of blown away that like lunar solar has like 90 employees. Um, you know, we bootstrapped it, uh, you know, back in, uh, 2018 and like, we, you know, we've never taken any money for it or anything like that. And we grew the teams out and, uh, it's 90, 90 employees. So there's a decent amount of structure there. Um, when we first thought about doing uh retection, it, God, not even, it wasn't even a year ago. Um, it was like, so, 
Yeah, it was like one of those things that like I was sitting here, we had done some smaller apps. So like we had done no out of lunar solar and like it, that didn't mean up a lot of my time. Like, you know, like the developers kind of built it. We knew what the vision was. Like they built it. We were able to sell it. Um, Shopify opens up the subscription API. I, I see some of these other like people moving in the space. I just, I'm not like loving what I'm seeing. I understand the opportunity there. I've been trying to like piece together everything for so long that I was like, there cannot be somebody who's like more equipped to like understand this the way that I understand it. Um, like I need to do this. I also like, I tell, tell this story all the time. And like, I think Pierce gets mad, but like he tricked me. I did not know that we were building a hundred person agency. Like I thought that we were going to be like a 20 person agency at most. And like, I feel like I woke up one day and I love the team. Like I am so grateful that I was able to build out this CRM division. And like, when I told them like, Hey guys, like I really want to build this app. Like everyone was so supportive and they were just like, okay, cool. Like, what do we have to do to get you off client calls? Like, what do we have to do to get you off this? Like, how do we free up your schedule so that you can do that? And it was a phased approach. Like at first I was like, could I get off the client calls? Like I was like on you know, 30 hours of client calls a week. So then it started to be like, okay. Like we like looked at the client list and I was like, all right, anybody who doesn't pay us like over X amount, like I'm not going to get on. Like they, like I don't need to be on those calls anymore. It's a small retainer. You guys have that covered. And then like, we kind of dialed it back. And then I was like, all right, the bigger ones, like I'm only going to get on there like monthly, uh, like you know, reporting review calls. But then like, I started like doing this thing where like, I always used to be camera on and then I would like go camera off. And like, it was like, like I started to kind of like disappear into the background. And I was like, does the agency run without me? Like, have I put in enough? We promoted two of um, the girls who just are like my absolute like right hands there as associate directors to kind of step up and manage the team. Um, and it, it was a phased approach, but I was able to, we were able to do it. Um, and it's, it's been awesome. And I'm down to probably like three hours a week. Um, on lunar solar meetings, which uh, is like, I sit in this office, so I get to like see everyone, which is nice. Like, I mean, like I get to have lunch with people. Like I get to like see, like when I walk to the bathroom, I get to talk to everyone. So I still feel like I'm a part of it. Like I'll never not be a part of it. Um, it's like my first child, but protection is my main focus now. It is, building tech is hard. <laughs> it's really hard. Like yeah. it is so hard. Um, the team at Retexture now is like 27 full time. Um, so like I've got 90 at Lunar Solar and like 27 at Retexture. And like, I've learned so much about how to hire and how to staff and like just the mistakes that we made um, at Lunar Solar, just the staffing things. And I like looked at that and like how, like how was I actually able to delegate and like step out of the day to day and like remain like the company, like how was it able to like actually maintain and like, that and so that that's been like a huge huge thing that I had to learn over the last like year and a half um but yeah that's that's how I balance the two is that I, I am pretty phased um out of the day-to-day -day. I just sit on a couple hours of um like actual like strategy meetings like anytime we have different benchmarks so like if an account like for some reason like drops performance or whatnot like I'm brought in immediately like that type of stuff like it's flagged to me where I meet with uh the directors um uh, three times a week and like kind of go over all of the accounts and make sure that everything is still dialed. Sweet. Yeah. And so, yeah, like you said, building tech is hard. Uh, I have never built an app, but in a past life, I helped project manage website designs and builds. And so talk to developers and clients and designers and translating that for them. Uh, I know how difficult and, oh, can, just make the button do this. Like, just simply do that. It's like, well, no, that's not like, that's not what we agreed to in the start that we built it this way. So like how, what, 
what has been the bit a big surprise between the service building the service team out and then now building the tech out what's like a big like whoa is that that's how this is works or this is like the big challenge or yeah okay so yeah. <laughs> with services like and you know what it's the people that you have like not like where sometimes it's just like oh you can't get that done hire more people like oh you want it to move faster like hire more people and like you just like you know what? it's true through and through but i think i thought it was gonna be different like it's the same when you're spending money on Facebook. Like you can't just scale something. Like you can't just walk in and be like, okay, well, I'm just going to hire a hundred people in a month. And like, we're going to work faster because I have a hundred people instead of five. Like you have to grow into that stuff and scale it. And like, God, like what the learning curves, like some things have just been so different. Um, I think at the services, uh, like side of things, we were able to get a, around it for like much longer, like without hiring super senior talent. So like Pearson and I were able to be the oldest people in the room for the first like, couple of years without there being an issue. Like we were able to, to go in and like kind of set the standard and like figure it out. Like we were both really good at what we did respectively. He's really good at acquisition. I was really good at retention. Like we were able to build those teams where like with a tech play, like I'm not an engineer. Like immediately I had to be like, I need to go find a bunch of engineers who are way smarter than me. And you need to decide how smart they are and like, who is the leader and like, who is this? And like, we hired a team and, um, you know, I even recently just, I brought in, um, an, another VP. So like, I've got our CTO that we've worked with, um, forever. And like, as we started to scale, I was like, we need even more senior leadership. So, um, something I wish I did sooner at Lunar Solar. Uh, but again, we were able to get away with it for so long was not hiring people who were much older than us that had more experience than us. So like, at, um, retection, like I immediately, not immediately, like six months in, I uh, was like, I need a VP of engineering and I want somebody who is at least in their forties minimum. I need somebody with life experience out here, like who has run teams, who has seen three person engineering teams, who's seen 300 person engineering teams. Like I need the life experience in here. Um, so that's what we did. And that's what we've started to do for a lot of our roles. And I think that's just been a huge takeaway for me, um, as a young founder, like, it's an ego thing sometimes like you want to be yeah. like you want to be like oh like no one is like over 30 like they have such a young like smart company and then it's like sometimes i look around and i'm like i need an adult like i still don't feel like an adult right right and so okay so retection now you're starting to have a few more adults in the room there are so, adults like veterans and experienced people yeah mm -hmm. especially with like you said engineering it's a little different than um adds an email um you're building up this tech and this piece of software that is, that's the product, not, not the service that you deliver to the clients mm -hmm. and the results you get, you're building this product. And then you have additional people that are helping the clients implement it and get the most out of it and all that. But, uh, it's just different. Yeah. The way that you have to scale it in tech, like to make the money and like to hit that where like at lunar solar, you know, like the email team might onboard, you know, three to five new clients a month would be like, you know, a lot, um, where like, you know, we're onboarding three to five clients a week on the tech side and it's younger and it's just like the scalability issues and how, like what, how you build something to work for 10 brands is very different than how you build it to work for hundreds of brands. Um, so like kind of making those decisions, of like how fast do we want to go? Like, where do we want to focus energy? Um, it's just been really interesting. It's been stuff that I wasn't expecting to take up as much as my time, um, as it has. Yeah. Wow. No, that's great. I'm glad we got to break that down a little bit. Um, and I added on that question. Okay. Next, next up we got, 
at M underscore Christopher 86. How should one approach retention as a subscription strategy for premium DSC fragrance uh, with the eight to 12 month purchase frequency using SMS versus email only? It's a pretty long period and we're afraid of message slash offer fatigue. Thanks. <laughs> so I, how would you how would you approach this god i saw this come in and i was like i kind of love this because this is so tricky um it's hard the subscription on the long tail is hard because it's like especially a product like fragrance where like that is the average but you've got and i'm, I'm just gonna generate, like let's just say it's female like you've got the girl who every morning is like who's going to like rip through it in two months. And like, you've got the girl who's like spray, 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 like done. Um, and like who forgets most days and like just wearing deodorant. So like, that's me. Um, and so like, it's just like two very different people. Like I think that I maybe have not gone through my perfume bottle that is sit that I look at every single morning. Um, in like over a year where like it is, it's a tricky one. Um, and I think that not over messaging, but while staying top of mind is important because like, if I go and like, if I was like using this, like one, um, you know, perfume and then like I put it under a cabinet and I had another one, like I forget about it. So like making sure that someone's using your product, even like, even if you used it consistently, it would take six to eight months to use. Like you do still need to stay top of mind. I don't think you have to message that person every week, but I think that there should be at least a monthly check-in type of thing where it depends on your brand. Um, and like what types of things you can get away with. But the nice thing about fragrance is there's typically a ton of ingredients, ingredients, highlights work. People love to know what they are eating and putting on okay. their body where like you could kind of run through, like there's going to be at least eight ingredients in your perfume. Like you could do one a month where you're like, did you know, like something about this? And it's a fun fact. It can be on text. It can be on email, whatever. Um, but I would say that would be a good strategy of just keeping people engaged, staying top of mind um, to make sure that they're not forgetting about your product or that they haven't like switched off and, you know, started to use something else. Ingredient highlights. That's a excellent uh, framing and perspective there. And you could take that and use that for a lot of other types, not just fragrance. So that's really neat. Um, one thing I might want to add or ask you is would trying to time, uh, tie it into the time of the year of like, oh, graduation or your birthday or these other events, would that like make sense for this fragrance brand at all? Or would you like, tell them more, more focus on the ingredients? Um, I think like for them, so like the thing is like, I just don't need more than one bottle of perfume every, let's just call it every six months. Like I'm just not going to run through yeah. it. Like it is a hard product like there are certain products like i i use this example i worked for red bull throughout college and like consumption occasions consumption occasions are key because the more consumption occasions that you can identify for a person the more times that they will use your product during the day so what we would focus on at red bull is like okay like there's like you know people who use it to study there's people who use it to work out there's people who use it like for cards and then you'd identify all these different types of consumption occasions and then you'd be like hey like you might use red bull when you're partying like you know, but did you know that like you could use it pre-workout? Like, did you know that you can also drink it like when you're going to study? Like, have you thought about like Red Bull on your road trip and like all these different like use cases and consumption occasions, but perfume there's, you spray it in the morning and then you make sure you still like smell good, like take it to the office with you. Like, like, like how much like more are you going to do? Where like, I think the message Fair. for me there would be more like gifting. Like that feels like uh, those are the holiday. Like you were right big there. And I was like, oh, like we're going to, and then you were like, consumption occasions. I was like, no, um, where I think I would do gifting. 
Like, I think I would do gifting yeah. around like graduation times, like, like, you know, let everyone smell as good as you do. Like gift the, your favorite perfume. And then okay. you can do like somebody's an active subscriber. You can do gifting promos where they get discounts to send it to friends. There you go. That's why you're the guest expert. I'm just teeing you up. You're, you're, you crushed that one. That was awesome. Um, okay. That was good. Uh, next one at it's Brian son. How do you make sure email and SMS play nicely together and don't cannibalize each other? Put another way, how do you measure incremental lift from doing both together or one or the other? Yes. Um, so it's definitely easier um, when everything is in one platform, so then you can kind of see it based on last touch within it. But um, when you have it in two different platforms, um, when sometimes like there are use cases to have it in different platforms where like don't say like, I'm not saying that like you should absolutely have it in one. There are times where there's a platform that is going to like suit some of your needs better. Um, so when you have it separated, I think it's important to really look at your content calendar and build your content calendar together. So a good example is like, I have brands that will work for, and they're like, oh, we do SMS in house. You guys can just do email. And I'm like, but I need to know when you're doing SMS. Like we're going to share a content calendar. I don't care. I don't need to execute, but we do need to be tied together. We need to work together. And like, you need to know that I'm going to send an email about this thing on this day. And like, if you're going to send an SMS, because a lot of people are going to be overlapped. Like, yes, you're going to have people who are just on one or just on the other, but most of the people are going to be on both lists. Um, how you get them to play nicely together, I think it really comes down to like defining who you are on each channel and what your voice is. So like I said, like I think that like short, sweet messages work best on SMS. I think that like when they're personal and you have like a, a tone there and a, like a persona, um, I think that brands should identify like two to three people where it's like, hey, it's Gina, like from, you know, from Retection, like blah, blah, blah. But like if I text versus Pearson text, especially when it's like a CPG round with like, um, like good prominent founders, like have a personality, shoot a quick note, like do that. And like, that is how you can be on SMS, on email. Um, you know, it can be more branded, like the images, the graphics, and then how to not cannibalize. That just comes down to the timing um, and like what you're trying yeah. to say. I don't think that the messages, like I don't think you should send an email on SMS on the same day. And like I said this before, unless there is a product launch and you are like making sure and you're like, Hey, this happened today. I want to make sure that everyone saw it. Um, but that said, most of our brands, like if they have SMS and they've created like an exclusive community on SMS, we launch a day early. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's a good point. Um, yeah. So maybe email in the morning and speaking of product launch, Oh, email in the morning. Hey, quick message on SMS in the afternoon. We already sold out 50% of the new launch. Like if you want it, make sure you get it. It might not be available tomorrow or we're not sure how many will be left. So yep. having a purpose for that urgency. Yeah. yeah. And you also have the purchase data on both and like, don't be afraid. Like don't schedule those things out like multiple days in advance and just like leave it. If you send the email right. in the morning and you know that somebody purchased off that email, do an exclusion list. You don't have to send them a text that like, did you see our product release? Of course they did. They bought the product. Like. <laughs> like the advice yeah, so like yeah. just run the exclusions yeah. especially for stuff like that if you are going to hit them on the same day right okay that's cool that's good um yes uh next at ashvin milwani from obvi what are some easy wins for brands when it comes to automated flows and we've kind of touched on this you've you said to talk about the basics get your welcome flow all the in the abandoned cart browse abandonment post-purchase but um what are, maybe we can, yeah, what are some other easy wins in terms of flows or common mistakes that you see that are easy, quick fixes? Um, like I said, do not overcomplicate it. Just don't. 
um, make it more straightforward. Uh, and then um, quick wins, the, the simple A-B tests. The subject line tests are great. Um, they're just easy to run. Like the data all kind of can stay. Like it just is clean. I would do those. Um, some KPIs to like throw out your first welcome email needs to be between like 45 and, and 65% open. Um, if it's not, something is wrong with your welcome series. Uh, if you're seeing that at like 30%, like something, something is wrong. Um, another thing, like your first abandoned cart email, like that needs to be in the thirties as well. If that is not in the mid thirties, like something's up, um, easy wins. And then in your make sure that the CTAs are in the right places. Like don't, I, it, I say it, but the amount of times that I've seen, Oh, like an email. And then I'm like, there was no CTA or like, it was so long. And there was like one CTA at the bottom or like, it was so long. There's like one CTA at the top. Then I got to the bottom. Like you can have multiple CTAs. You don't need them every five minutes, but like go through the user experience. And like, even though the whole email is clickable, it, you need to trigger the button in people's minds. Got it. Yeah. Make it, make it simple. Make it clear. Uh, that's cool. don't forget about dark no more mode. Question. <laughs> don't forget about dark mode. What? Uh, so what percentage of people generally use dark mode versus light mode? Or does, is there like, it tends to affect this people more, this vertical more, or is it anything like that? Or is it just more general? God, our phones flip back and forth. Like, you know what I mean? It's so easy now. Like it used to be like a thing where like you were a dark mode person or you were a light mode person, but now it's like people, I, I've got friends whose it flips. Like when the sun goes down, they flip to dark mode. Like that's how their phone works at night. Yeah. Like it's like for your eyes and whatnot. And like, that's just how it's set. So I don't think that it's like, I don't think I could come out here and say like, you know, 50% of people use dark mode. I, I don't know. Um, if there, there might be stats on it, like it, there might be a way to track it, but I just would say like, make sure that you're testing in dark mode. That is like a big, a big thing that I see is like brands, they built the emails a while ago. They didn't think about what it's going to look like on dark mode and then they get it. And there's like these like weird spacings and, and it's just cause they're using image base, but then they've got like HTML like spaces and it's, it gets funky. Yeah. Okay, cool. Don't forget about dark mode. And this is a, no more Twitter questions. Uh, I was going to say at Matt Lady for myself for the last one, but that was kind of cheeky. Uh, so last one is for subscription brands. What is, where do you start in terms of, do you have like a figure or like a best practice for like the discount for a subscription versus single time purchase? Like, oh, the single time purchase is $30 subscription. Sign up and get it every month for 10% off. Or is it 15? Is it 20? Like, is there a big difference in variance in that? Or is there kind of a standard? Um, oh, it just depends on the brand. Um, yeah. <laughs> it depends on the product. Um, you know what I don't think we see enough of that I want to see more of and I want to see testing around is percentage versus dollar amount. Ah. I don't think that we're doing it enough. And it is just kind of interesting. Like, and it depends because like sometimes like 15% off sounds like a lot, but then you realize it's $3 where like $3 like might not perform as well. But I don't know, like the higher AOV ones, like I think if your, your AOV is like above probably like 60 bucks, um, it's worth a test on that of like, you know, should you be offering, you know, $7 off or 15% off or, you know, whatever the math comes out to, um, but yeah, the most common what we see is like the 10 to 20 
a lot of people sitting at 15. Um, I think that something that we're trying to get around is that a lot of people sign up for subscription um, and then turn immediately because they want the discount. Some people are like, well, can you do like a minimum cancellation? Like, well, now it's illegal in California and like it's about to be passed in a bunch of other states. Like, no, you can't. You need to allow people to mm. cancel their subscription. Um, wow. How do, yeah, I don't think enough people know about that. Um, That's news to me. Yeah. We, it's like a question like all the time, like, why don't you have cancellation windows? And I'm like, do you have customers in California? Um, like, how are you identifying? And like, also like with laws like that, we just saw a lot of it in SMS. It's like, God, if somebody didn't put in their billing addresses, California, but then they go to California and like, are you constantly checking for that stuff? And like, how are we monitoring it? And it was like one of those things as a tech platform. I was like, I'm not taking on this risk. Like, this is good. And it's going to start popping up. It's California right now. I'm sure it's going to be, you know, somewhere else next where, um, so we just like don't allow that on the platform, but yeah, it's how do we figure out how to get, so like, yeah, back to the original point, I rambled for a bit there, but that's okay. Like, how do we offer a discount on subscription, but like protect ourselves from people immediately canceling? Um, I think like gift on second purchase or like a discount that actually gets better after the second purchase, like stuff like that, like mm -hmm. probably will help. But then you want to offer like a low barrier to entry. It, it's an interesting game and it's like worth testing yeah. based on your brand. Oh, that's fun. That's a good way to end to uh, get people thinking mm -hmm. about that. So Gina, thanks so much for your time. Where do you want to point people to if they want to ask you questions, they want to hire Lunar Solar Group or sign up for a retention? Yeah, um, Twitter. Twitter is a great place to always like get in touch with me. I try to do my best um, to go through my Twitter messages sometimes. I do hate that I can't like mark them as unread. Um, but yeah, like, you know, tagging me in Twitter, the links for everything um, are typically accessible there, rejection.com. Um, so you can sign up there to get a demo or we're on the Shopify app store, Lunar Solar Group. Um, feel free to go to the website, fill out a form um, to get, uh, we can we can do audits, we can do uh, proposal requests, all of that type of stuff through Lunar Solar. Um, yeah, and if you just want to ask me questions, tweet at me. Awesome. Thanks so much for your time, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you're a first time listener, thank you so much. Leave a rating and review or hit a follow, hit subscribe, hit those fun buttons. If you're listening again, hopefully I will catch you again next week. Thanks.